0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now
1: from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's a full house this evening and that means I've gone with three in attack. Lead line is Cole. Cole, Merry Christmas, mate, and I hope all is well.
0: Yeah, it was, then. Christmas has been cancelled after yesterday. In house, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it was looking all good up
1: till yesterday. Yes, unfortunately, I think that seems to be the case, isn't it? Well, also returning from his most recent scouting trip is James. James, I hope the head isn't too sore after the pints we shared on Sunday.
2: Yeah, not too bad, mate. I think if we'd have won, uh, it would have carried on into the night. But I think the... Uh, the result kind of killed the mood a little bit. So I was straight back on the train to Birmingham and, uh, and that, that was the end of that one.
1: Well, you've got a podcast in the next day. You're a professional, James, aren't you? So you can't be thinking <laughs> all night. And also, I'm handing out... Absolutely. A- yes, that's right. I'm also handing out another debut cap this evening and it's one that goes in the direction of Patrick Tyrant from the Everyone's a Pundit podcast. So, Patrick, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board and I hope all is well with you, mate. Uh,
3: yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm as good as I can be considering yesterday's result, but I'm here to talk... All things football, so yeah, let's do it. Top
1: let's man. do it. Right, okay, before we do all that, I'll get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect Sunday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Cover New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at C O I S underscore C O M and we're also on all the major audio platforms, that being Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etcetera etc. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business is matters off the pitch. We will get to the game in good time. However, James, I'll start with you. Because obviously we were both at the game yesterday. Did you hear any abuse? I must admit, I didn't hear anything. But, you know, that's not to suggest otherwise. You know, I'm not sort of saying, well, because I didn't hear it, it didn't happen. So, James, can I get your input of the stadium and what you thought first?
2: Yeah, I know that me and you were at opposite ends of the ground, Dan. And I know that I certainly didn't hear anything around me. Or you know, or anything in the immediate area. Um, I'd like to have thought if, if I'd have heard something, or if someone next to me had heard something, that we would have that we would have piped up and we would have said something, and it would have been you know, it would have been dealt with from there. But you know, it's I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that it didn't happen. Of course, that's that. This is kind of the, the the place we're at with it at the moment is that nobody wants to say it didn't happen because you know that would be calling um antonio rudiger a liar and you know it's not something that we want to do um but uh, you know the club have today released a statement saying that there's you know they've looked into it they can't find the culprits and if this wasn't if, if this was something that, that happened there'd be plenty of people willing to to talk up about it to, to to dob whoever it was in because these are people that we don't want at our club and we don't want that kind of activity going on in our stadium so you'd think if it did happen um, that we'd have been able to to find the culprit by now Um, you know I I didn't hear it at all um, and I've spoke to you since heard any of it so you know it'd be interesting what to see comes of it afterwards
1: and Patrick as James just said the club have released a statement as of around six o'clock on Monday night and they're saying that the investigation has uncovered nothing at the moment therefore You know, what is the next step? How does this pan out over the next few days, especially when there's going to be so much focus now on the Brighton game or Boxing Day?
3: Yeah, this is the problem. It does create a bad, bad blood in the the stadium, so to speak. And, you know, being I mean, I'm I'm black and I'm from Tottenham and I've never I've been to many a game and I've never experienced anything like this. So I was shocked when I obviously saw uh, it unfolding yesterday. Um, I've seen a few tweets on Twitter where somebody says that he definitely heard it and he's, once he finds out exactly where it came from, he's going to get in touch with the relevant people, uh, and send an email. But 90%, almost 95%, whatever you want to say, are saying that they didn't hear anything yesterday. So it's quite interesting. Um, yeah, really good saying he's adamant that he heard it. Yan Vertonghen's come out and, uh, and apologise on behalf of, you know, the Spurs fans and the Spurs players. So I don't know what happens from here, but I'd like to think that if there is racism, uh, you know, uh, our fans and the stewards do the right thing and, and point it out and get these people ejected immediately.
1: Well, this is it, Carl, because, you know, the condemnation from within the Spurs ranks has been widespread and rightly so. However, do you get the feeling this is something that has to be self-policed? If it ever happens again, you know, whether it happened yesterday, we won't know until something actually comes to light. You know, it's still, I guess, a sense of innocent until proven guilty. You know, you can quite rightly say that something has happened. You can accuse someone. That's not a problem with that. But if it does happen again, do Spurs fans have to start pointing fingers themselves and say, look, that's not welcome. You're not part of this club.
0: Well, I think... You know, to be honest, this will be the only way we'll ever cure it, I think, will not we, is that everyone has to stand together and basically the minute you hear something like this, everyone around that person needs to basically call them out and we need to take it into our own hands because... You know this is a real hard one as to what you do don't you there's lots of things where it's like well you know do you need to punish the clubs as a whole because maybe one day the only way to stamp it out is if you're threatened with say a three-point deduction or games behind closed doors Um, and that might be the only way you know it's that argument isn't it is do you punish the club or do you punish the individual because the trouble is if you punish the individual can you actually ever stop someone like that going back to a Spurs game? Now, we know we say you can ban someone for life, but what's to stop that person buying a ticket in someone else's name and going back into the ground? And these are people that we don't want there. Um, but I think the, the the only way really to deal with this is that everyone who's around that person who who hears something like that, you actually call that person out, you know, as a group. And, you know, you know, make them obvious to their stewards and the police, and we get these people chucked out of the club as they should be because these are every fan base has got its moron element. We've seen it in recent matches at Man City and Chelsea in the past. Um, And we do need these people to be named and shamed. And, you know, for me, when we do find these people, we should be nationally naming and shaming them. You know, they should be dealt with in, you know, in life fully, you know, feel the full consequences. You know, go to work the next day. Your face has been plastered on the paper. You know, you might lose your job over it. This will be the only way that I think you'll ever deal with these people and actually rid them. From football um, but it 's a real tough one isn 't it because you know how do you actually get rid of this thing from football you know it 's been going on for years isn 't it and i don 't think we 've ever found the best solution to curing it, but I do think maybe you know it, it lies with everyone else who 's around that person to actually step up to the plate if you like
1: because james let 's be honest if a fan has allegedly made that racist gesture to Rudiger. He doesn't speak for anyone here or any right-minded individual who supports the club. So there is that sense where one idiot has pretty much sullied the name of such a sort of an institution of football.
2: Absolutely, and I think that the vast majority um, of people are, are think that exactly the same as that. And so that's why I'm thinking, you know, if if something like this has happened and it was. You know, five, ten seats away from you, maybe even a block away from you, you'd, you'd know about it because straight away, these the, the Tottenham fans surrounding him would have, or, or whoever the, this person was, would have reported it to the stewards. You know, so th- this is why, you know, we we need to see some evidence. Really, um, we obviously I, I, we don't want to go out calling Rudiger a liar, um, but the, if the club have looked into it thoroughly. And there's you know so many fans who would be willing to to, to hand this person over, uh, and none of them have come out the woodwork. If if you know if it is, even is true, um, I, I don't know. It's it's a hard one to deal with, really. Um, I know that if it was within you know hearing distance, shouting distance of me or anyone around me, I, I'd have I'd have expected them to to be reported straight away. Um, that said. Um, I, you know, we've got we we can't really discuss it until we know all of the evidence, and we've you know after we've collated everyone's statements and 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 got everything sorted, it might turn out that there was someone, um, and they, and they are handed over, and and you know as as all the r- lads have rightly said, um, we don't want these people in our club if if they are there.
1: And Patrick, the sad thing is, we're approaching twenty twenty in a few days, and you got some people saying, well, you know, Chelsea with their anti semitism is no better, but. Two wrongs, two massive wrongs don't make a right at this point. So why is football seemingly taken a huge backward step?
3: Exactly. I think the frustrating thing is that racism, I feel, has always been quite evident and blatant in the uh, UK. And unfortunately, I don't know why, but I feel people are maybe thinking that they're a bit more comfortable now uh, to come out and state their views in the football pitch or on at a football game. Um, and so you're seeing it seeping back into the stadiums because for a while you never heard any of this happening in in England, especially not in the top flight of football as well. But unfortunately now it seems like every week we're having, you know, isolated incidents at different football grounds. And yeah, it just seems like people are a bit more, a bit too comfortable in expressing the wrong sort of views when things don't go their way. Uh, you know hurling abuse at uh, players from different nationalities or different races and yeah it's not right it's disgusting and like you said and like we've all been saying this isn't you know this this one idiot or whoever it is a number of idiots they're not how we feel as a club and as a fan base and we want them out and we don't ever want to see them in the, at our games or you know supporting the club again.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, Cole. in a week where Martin Peters passed away, it should have been a case where a well-spirited game, you know, a really competitive one, was played in honour of the World Cup winner. Unfortunately, that was so much overshadowed, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it's just a shame, isn't it? Football seems to breed this mentality in supporters, doesn't it? Where, you know, you get. And, and the worrying bit is when you look at the tele coverage, you know, we've said it before of me, when you see a player going over to take a corner, you've got all these people standing up, you know, making gestures at them and that. And when you actually look and freeze those cameras. Half of these people are blokes that are within their sort of 30s and 40s. That you kind of think, surely you should be mentally more mature than what you are right now. (laughs) But football does seem to breed this kind of tribal um, mentality that the minute you go to a football game, you turn into this hooligan who feels like everything you have to abuse everyone from the opposition side. Um, It's really strange, Dan. I don't know how you cure it because. Things like rugby and that don't have this problem. And when you consider that rugby is a sport where you're encouraged to bash the living hell out of one another, then you just wonder why football is like it. But it's so tribal and it does seem to turn the average person into an utter moron at times.
1: And James, as mentioned, Jan Vertonghen has already offered apology on behalf of the club. So are Tottenham in almost an impossible position where, let's say, let's play devil's advocate quickly. Let's say no one is found and they can't prove anything. Will then critics or people who don't support Spurs point the finger and say, well, actually, the club haven't done enough here?
2: Well, it's it's a difficult one because if you know if the club do everything within their power to, to try and find whoever this person is, um, do people then start pointing the finger at Rudiger and saying it didn't happen? Or do people point the finger at Tottenham and say um, they haven't done enough? Um, I, it's... It, Antonio Rudiger is the only person who knows what he heard. Um, whether he misinterpreted it, I don't know. I, I assume not, because that is, you know, you'd like to think that no one would make that kind of thing up. It's, you know, it's a, an absolutely horrible part of the game that this year especially has become you know, just worse than it ever has been. Um, and you'd like to think that Rudiger wouldn't. Would it make some not up and i, I, I don 't believe he did, however, if the club do as much as they can to try and find this person, but they don 't find him, then you know they've they 've gone as far as they can they've they 've done everything they can they 've exhausted all the avenues and and there isn 't a lot more we can do about it, and that is it 's unfortunate, but you know you, you can 't blame spurs for that there 's a lot of people in that crowd in in that stadium. Uh, and only Rudiger knows exactly what he heard and exactly where from. So it's a really difficult thing to to, to get to the bottom of. Um, like I say, hopefully there were plenty of fans as like-minded as us who um, who will, you know, get a statement in and, and, and get to the bottom of it.
1: And Carl, I'll give you the final uh, question on this one. So watching at home as you did, did they make much reference to the repeated tunnel messages? Because they were given out around the ground it was three times and that in itself... It's almost caused a bit of confusion. Spurs have been quick to sort of say, this incident didn't happen three times, they were just following protocol. So it's almost sort of muddied the water slightly.
0: Well, it was interesting in the club statement, wasn't it? Because they said that the referee asked for the protocol to be called and they used the actual... Was it that they used the UEFA protocol rather than the Premier League protocol, where the multiple... stadium announcements get made. Um, and they did mention it on the telly. You know, there was a couple of references and you could hear the Tannoy announcements being made. And then obviously they referenced that, Yet yeah, there's another Tannoy announcement being made now to the supporters. So it was it was clear at home that, you know, obviously something was being done about it. Um, but obviously we didn't know what kind of protocol was was being used. You just assumed that, you know, the ref had had a word and the club felt the need to get on the Tannoy and basically ask. You know the moron element to stop, um, but yeah, it, 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 it was clear that the, the announcements were being made, and they, they did reference it. Yeah. Um, can, can I just add something? Yeah,
3: if, yeah sure. The, sure. The the annu- yeah the announcements were uh, were made every ten minutes, and I, and you're right, Carl, I believe they followed the UEFA protocol, but I do I do believe until the players actually start taking things into their own hands, as in everyone uniting and walking off, then we will. That, that, that will be the only way we'll see a change. And that's in the culture and attitudes of fans, not just in the UK, but in, in football as a whole. Because us saying, oh, this has got to stop or, you know, they're not part of us or, you know, we're distancing ourselves away from these idiots. That's not really changing anything. So I do believe until the players actually take a stand and that's like the captain of each club, if it's Harry Kane or, you know, uh, I think it's Asper- Quite, was their captain yesterday. Until they actually take the guys off the pitch, um, we won't see anything changing and it'll just be the same old saying.
1: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Patrick. Until actually, you know, you see players take charge of the situation, walk themselves yeah. off the pitch, then people will really t- stand up and take notice. You know, at the moment, it's, dare I say, it's almost sort of lip service, isn't it? You know, we're all, sort of exactly. saying, the, we're all saying the right things and we all have all the, the best intentions, but... You know we don't want to see it again ever, but if it does, then you really need sort of players to actually say, right, that is enough now. That's you know we're going to draw the line here, and then
3: That's it.
1: Then you That's might it. see it, a sort of step change and, and all that. But let's actually move on to the game. There was not really much <laughs> to talk about, but you know I shouldn't make light of the situation, but let's let's try and make light of it because it was a dreadful performance. And Patrick, I'll stay with you because after that one, what are the realistic expectations now this season? How tempered should your mood be after Sunday's performance?
3: I mean, I, I believe it was a bad day at the office and I'm gonna take it like in an isolated event. Unfortunately, against the big teams, we've had two big tests against Man United and against Chelsea. And unfortunately in both games we haven't been at the races. But I mean we've we've uh, Jose's had six games now in the Prem. We've won four of them. So if that trend continues, I still am optimistic that we can make the top four. So um yesterday was a really bad game. Like, I mean, we were shocking from top to bottom and, you know, nobody, I'd say apart from Davinson Sanchez, no one played well. Uh, But I still believe that top four still on. Um, We're only six points off Chelsea. I say only, you know, that's two games. Chelsea's form hasn't been great. Our form has been much better than theirs in recent, you know, times. So I still believe that we can make the top four, but we do need to get our act together against the bigger teams.
1: Well, this is it, James, isn't it? Because if you look at it from a glass half-empty point of view, you're thinking, "Ah, oh, bollocks. What a big opportunity missed. You know, could have been top four at Christmas and you're really looking ahead to the second half of the season. However, there still is the second half of the season. And as Patrick Wright says, it is only six points. That's still a hell of a lot of football to be played. And it's not going to be easy. I get that. And I'm not like trying to happy clap and make light of the situation of how bad we were yesterday. But it's not as bad as you'd think at the same time, is it?
2: Absolutely not, and you've only got to look back five or six games um, and look at the gap between us and Chelsea and and how we managed to narrow that gap down so far in such a short space of time uh, to, to see how things can change so quickly. You know, Chelsea. We we went into this game quietly confident because of the form that Chelsea had uh, had been in in recent games. Um, how how the, we'd been playing under Mourinho. We were, you know. It, Forgetting that they'd come out of the block so well this season, that, and they—they they are, you know, in that top four for a reason. They've started the season so well. Players like Tammy Abraham have, have, uh, and Mason Mount have come out of the woodwork and, and started producing for them. They've got some great players, but we were, you know, it was rose-tinted glasses because of how bad um, they've been over the last few games. Um, so, you know. It, Things can change a lot in in five or six games. Is my point, and and if, so if we look ahead five or six games, we might have you know, we might have gone gone above them. They might have slipped up. We might have slipped up equally. So there's there's a long long time to go in in this Premier League season, and and a, and a lot can happen in a short space of time. So it, it, it's one of those. It's an opportunity missed, but there'll be plenty more opportunities this season.
1: And Cole, I guess the concern here is that. There's two games where the script has been written for Mourinho to get the better of his former employers. Both times he's failed miserably, if we're sort of being honest. How much can we read into that? Has the occasion got the better of him on both times?
0: Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly less optimistic than both the guys because I think my, my major worry is now is that the one thing that it seems like this squad can't do is cope with pressure and cope in the big situation. Um, So for me, we've had two real tests under Mourinho, um, both against teams that have come into it in poor form. And we have not only lost those games, but we haven't really even shown up um, and kind of been dominated in both. And I really do worry that, unfortunately, as much as there's a lot of football to play, And, yes, you know, Chelsea will drop more points throughout the season. Um, I think anyone other than the top two or three are going to drop more points. And the fourth is still there to go for. But my worry is just the mentality of this squad and the fact that, you know, I know we hate this bottle job, um, you know, tag, but it's there for a reason. And that is the fact that eight times, nine times out of ten, when there's pressure on the game and this team is, you know, under some scrutiny to perform, it just can't find the performance and get that sort of win over the line. Um, I feel for Mourinho at the moment because I just think he just doesn't have the players that he needs to kind of carry out what he probably wants. Um, And it might take him a little while to kind of change the mentality that is, is in my opinion, embedded in this team. Um, And, you know, it is a it is a problem and a worry for me, but I do think, you know, Mourinho, he just needs a bit longer and a bit more time, and possibly bringing in a couple of players, because we have seen that, you know, those two performances have shown us that the quality to kind of get yourself well within that top four and challenging just isn't there. Um, And obviously, we do need to get players out and get new players in. But the mentality thing does worry me, because those two tests we really should have passed against the teams we were playing. In, and we've kind of limped, you know, meekly out in both of those games.
1: I think the occasion certainly got the better of Hugh Min's song yesterday and it's he I want to discuss in a bit more detail. So first up, Patrick, did you think it was a red card? More importantly, he's trying to get it rescinded, nothing more than wishful thinking.
3: Exactly, though. No. The thing is, when he did it, I, I straight away I thought, what are you doing? Um, and then, you know, when um, VAR got involved and in a longer it took we, we all knew it was only heading one way um, he got sent off I believe it was rightfully so I mean obviously Rudiger made a meal of it and he made the most of it he was rolling around like he got shot or something which was ridiculous but the uh, the, the thing is the intent was there Son knew what he was doing and he kicked up at Rudiger so for me it was 100% a red card um, I mean with VAR and all the cameras around you can't do things like that these days you're always going to get punished for it And um, us trying to get the red card rescinded is just wishful thinking. I don't believe that they will overturn it because, as I just said, the intent was there and Sonny, it was clear Sonny knew what he was doing and it's clear what Sonny, you know, meant to do. Um, And and it's just, it's frustrating because it just seems now that uh, players will target Son. You know, players that can't stick with him or live with him will just keep hitting out at him knowing that he'll retaliate. I mean, he did it against Bournemouth and got sent off, and now he's done it against Chelsea. So, it's not good. It's not, it's not ideal.
1: No, you're absolutely right. It was a point I was going to make, but I've got another one, James. In, if you look at Suns, let's say, charge sheet over the past few months, that's now three red cars in six months of football. So, you know, you may argue there's mitigating circumstances for all of them. You know, was it really a sending off against Everton? You know, that was rescinded. He gets rolled up, but is there an argument to be made that he needs to sort of dial down the passion a little bit? You know, there's nothing wrong with being emotional and yes, I understand he sort of cries when things don't go his way and we all like him. He's a lovable bloke but there is a certain point where you think if you don't stop this, you're going to start becoming a bit of a liability and it's not something we can have at the club.
2: I, I think when you look at that red card record, it, it, it makes it sound a lot worse than it actually was. You know, that the Everton red card obviously wasn't a red card and, and everyone everyone accepted that, that it wasn't a red card. Um, the, the moment of petulance against Bournemouth, again, that's another stupid one, but we have players in the team who are always going to do that. You know, People like Ali, um, even Serge Aurier, you can see them hitting out every now and again. Every, every player in the world, if they get riled up to a point, is going to do something stupid that could possibly lead them to, to getting a red card. The only reason I Was so annoyed with Sonny at Bournemouth um, was because he did it right in front of the referee. You know, you've you've got to be a little bit cleverer about these things, but nowadays with the VAR, you know, you're going to, if something happens off the ball, you are going to get caught. So you've just got to be a little bit smarter with things, maybe channel that aggression into your next tackle or or, or whatever. But, you know, I'm I'm on the same side as Patrick here, but it was 100% a red card Um, in, in this day and age. I know Jose was going on about how um his sarcastic comment about uh Rudiger's ribs blah 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 he's he's obviously just trying to protect his player but for, for us as fans that is the, from the outside looking in that is a stone wall red card um in, in this day and age with the cameras on you um as soon as the referee went to look at the screen we all knew it was going to be a red card because you just can't kick out like that anymore that's not the way to to channel your aggression um, and uh, you know i, I don 't think he will become a liability um, i don 't think it 's that big an issue, um, but he does need to be a, a little bit smarter with with the way he channels that aggression and uh, and you know not only has he did he impact the last half an hour of that game, uh, we now have to, to to play three games without him, which is going to be absolutely huge for us because he is uh, he has been one of our best players this season he 's been our best player this calendar year. Um, so it is, it is disappointing. Um, I, a word on the on the um, the fact that Tottenham have appealed it. Uh, I, I think it's a bit of a rash decision. Uh, you know, I know I, I'm all, from what, as far as I'm aware, they are allowed to increase the, the the suspension if they find it to be a, a frivolous affair. Um, so you know, I think it's a little bit of a risky one. I I, I think it could it could be extended to four games um and I, and, I, and I honestly think that that might happen because there's no way that that, that this is going to get rescinded you know he might not have made contact with really good, but the intent was there he's kicked out um and, and you know I think we should have just accepted the three games and uh and move on from there and and hopefully Sonny will learn the lesson and you know we we might see um the, the emergence of someone else maybe Ryan Ceion or, or Giniless or So some some good might come of it.
1: Carl, oh, have you ever seen someone get an, a game added for a frivolous appeal? I can't remember if that's ever happened. Not in my, well, not in a long time. I know that's put you on the spot. You don't, you don't have to have the answer, but does that actually happen in this day and age?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, we'd have to have a look, wouldn't we? But uh, I'll just echo what the guys say. You know, Sonny kicks his legs up when there's no need to from the position he's in. Um, you know, everyone can moan as much as they like about Rudiger making a meal out of it. But we all know players will do that nowadays. And the, the, way, the best way to do that is not give the guy an opportunity to make a meal out of anything. Um, I'd agree with you. Sonny's problem is this petulance where, you know, the one at Everton might not have been a red card, but he didn't need to kick out at the guy. You know, Bournemouth, you've been fouled. You don't need to get up and push the guy. Yesterday, you know, again, a silly thing to do. You've won the free kick, just take it and move on. Um, But as you say, for me, if they appeal this, I can see, um, you know, another game being added because there's no way they're going to overturn that decision from VAR and the referee. You know, it's one of them that you go, no, sorry. There's some that you could see being appealed, um, like the Everton one. But this one's a stone waller. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an extra game. And that's where you kind of think, well, I'm not sure the club have made the best decision here. And they've maybe just reacted a little bit rashly. And someone should have just said, hold on, look, let's be honest, that is a red card. And that's never going to get overturned. So, yeah, I can see it happening. And I can see another game being added and making it four, which we you say we don't need, you know, three going to be bad enough without him, let alone now adding more to that. I think if if it's
3: if it's a four match ban, he misses the Liverpool game as well. By the way,
0: oh, yeah, is, and that's a crucial one. Isn't yeah, it? which know, is the, the crucial one. All your it, best players that's the
3: it. That. The other three are winnable fixtures, but the Liverpool one is a huge one.
0: So it's, it's also just this thing, and you know, these players need to just use their, their, you know, a thing called a football brain. You know, it's like use your head. You know, we're two 0 down at this point. You know, the last thing we need is a man sent off. You know, exactly. Just use your brain. Think of what's best for the team at this point. You know, it's if you've got to just have some calmness and a cool head. Um, and basically, you know. Not be funny, the penalty was the one that cost us the game. Yeah. the sending off really puts the final now in the coffin, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, we'll get to the penalty in just a moment. I think the FA will be myth. They've got to work uh, Christmas Eve and talk about sun sending off. So they'll probably stick a game on just for that. <laughs> but um, it, it, The last thing about Son, James, will Mourinho have a quick word in his ear? You know, sort of just say, look, you know, this passion's great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But maybe just keep it on a little bit because we can't keep having suspensions further down the season, can we?
2: No, absolutely not, and 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 you know, Mourinho is a a famous man manager. You know, I, I think we've seen a side of some of our players that that we you know we like to see, him and, and we know that Jose has brought out of them. You know, being a little bit arrogant, being a little bit you know on the wrong side of the law, but getting away with it. Um, this will be one that he'll he'll say, "You look, I like that you're getting stuck in. I like that you you know you're showing a lot of passion and." and you know, he clearly wears his heart on his sleeve. However, you've got, to, as Carl says, you've got to think with your football brain and think: if I do this, I'm going to get sent off, and that's going to impact our season—not not only our game—it's going to impact our season. And you know, we know how important the Christmas period is um, for for any any team season, especially Tottenham. Um, so you know, it's just a frustrating one, but. I'll echo what I just heard in that the uh, the mistake, mistake of the game wasn't Sonny. It was uh, it was Paolo Gazzaniga.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that very, very shortly. So, Son was obviously unsettled. Talking of unsettled, Tottenham certainly were in the first half because Chelsea opted to go with a 3-4-2-1. And if we couldn't deal with it in the first half, we then played them the biggest compliment by matching them in the second, something that Patrick didn't work either.
3: Yeah, it didn't work. It didn't work. The thing is, unfortunately, I mean, Lucas Moura isn't... A- great at holding the ball up and one of his biggest weaknesses is his strength he can get you know he's easy to tackle and get take the ball off then we also had him tracking back trying to play as like almost like a a a wing back so to speak and that just didn't work Uh, that's when we tried to match them up and then obviously we had Ori on the other side who isn't great defensively and yeah it just the problem we had is that we didn't have anyone in the middle who could actually connect uh, you know, the midfield to defence, or bring the ball forward out of defence and create that link. So we just struggled. The the the, the midfield axis of uh, of Dyer and Suzoko was just poor, and um, yeah, we, we we just looked lost out there.
1: Of course, the game was all but over before the interval, and. Chelsea's opener was, I guess, a reward for constant early pressure. However, they were given an early Christmas gift by Gazaniga. Cole, what on earth was he doing in that situation with Marcus Alonso?
0: Well, it's one of the worst bits of goalkeeping I think I've seen in a long, long while. Because the more you watch it back as well, the ball is skimming through to him, and and Alonso's given up on it because he just thinks that ball's ahead of me. Keeper's going to come out and just you know catch it easily. Um, What makes him think he needs to go with a foot that high? I have no idea. And like I say, it's it's Sunday morning at best, isn't it? You know, I've not even there's even Sunday League goalkeepers that wouldn't have done what he did there. Um, And and unfortunately, mistakes like that, you know, again, no matter what a manager does or says or what tactics you're trying to play, when a player's going to go and do something like that, there's nothing you can do to kind of stop. Or change it. And, and it killed the game, you know. We, we spoke after the United game where, you know, again, we just get ourselves back in it and Sissoko makes that stupid tackle at the start of the second half. And this was just as criminal as that that day, you know. As we said earlier, I think if we could have got in just 1-0 down at half-time... You know, had a chat, made a change, you know, sort ourselves out. We possibly could come out in the second half and get back into that game. But that just kills everything. You know, as a player, you could see the reactions of Davinson Sanchez and Aurier when he did it. Just like, what are you doing? And, and you've just lost us this, this game now. Um, really frustrating, uh, and I, but no one could tell you what he what he was doing, um, and even he now would probably look back at that and go, I, I don't understand why I've done what I've done there. Um, but a horror show, bit of keeping, but again, just a mistake, and and it's cost us the game because that that was the killer moment right on half time, and it just blows everything you've you possibly planning to do out of the water.
1: James, should that have been a red card or was Gazaniga's only saving grace the fact that it wasn't really a goal-scoring opportunity? You know, that Alonso wasn't really in control of the ball. He wasn't really shaping to shoot. So it wasn't as if he sort of, I don't know, like actually stopped a shot being taken or what have you. So is that the only thing that got him out of jail?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, somewhere else on the pitch, you might be looking at that going... You know, you remember, uh, was it Nigel De Jong's yep. tackle in the World Cup on Javi Alonso at that time? Yeah, and, you know, everyone was calling, the has to be a red card. But I think, yeah, the fact that the ball's running away from Marcus Alonso, um, I think that, that that obviously saved his saved his, saved his bacon a little bit, really. Um, and I think the referee maybe saved his blushes a little bit and thought that his, uh, his punish, he had punishment enough in that he had 62,000 eyes-bearing on what was what an absolutely hideous mistake, and it, he's lucky that we don't have a, a backup goalkeeper ready and waiting um, with Premier League experience to, to jump in because you know someone like Mourinho might might uh, might cut him from the squad and, and punish him that way. Um, but you know, I think he'll he'll be kicking himself as much as we're we're kicking him right now. Uh, and rightly so, you know. Hopefully, he puts the effort in on the training ground and. You know he's he's been a good player for us this season. He's he's deputised well for Lloris, so it's you know goalkeepers are always going to make mistakes. If you look at you know De Gea's error for uh, for United yesterday, it's it's, it's going to happen. Um, it's just a shame that it happened at such a crucial time for us. And uh, and hopefully Gasaniga just dusts himself off and puts the effort in and 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 he can uh, and he can continue his season um, in, in good form. Well,
1: we have to thank our lucky stars it wasn't a red card because we'd been in real trouble between the sticks on Boxing Day. So, one player who wasn't sent off but may have given himself a send-off was Danny Rose, Patrick. So, what did you make of his solo warm-down and that picture of him alone in the stadium? Is that a goodbye or just perhaps more (sighs) exasperation at the situation that we discussed earlier in the show?
3: Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, the conundrum of Danny Rose. He's somebody in the summer. When I heard that Spurs were potentially looking to sell him, I was on Twitter selling, you know, uh, Tweeting and hashtagging don't sell Danny Rose, and it was actually trending. So there were so many people that were, you know, behind him, and, you know, he's been one of our best and most loyal players over the last 10 years, blah, blah, blah. But this season, unfortunately, I think he's he's actually been atrocious. He's just been out of position, been uh, caught, you know, lacking in a lot of games. His concentration levels have dipped massively, and he just doesn't look the same guy. Um, Obviously, he came on yesterday, didn't. I can't really single him out because as a whole, we weren't good. But again, he just didn't look like he was was on it and, and ready. And yeah, that, that picture, uh, it, it almost does seem like he's saying goodbye. And, you know, almost like he's saying as soon as the January transfer window's open, he's, he's, he's going to look for a move. So I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I've even seen comments before where he's saying that he doesn't need to have a word with Mourinho. Uh, you know they both know that his contract's running out and he'll go when the time's right thing to go so it's a bit of a weird one I'm not too sure what I think about him at the moment
1: yeah it's funny because he's got these conflicting statements like you know I'm not getting anywhere I'll stay out my contract but then you see what took place yesterday in that kind of image you think well you know, there's something cryptic behind that. I don't think we'll ever really know until he retires. And he'll, probably, he'll have a really good book because he doesn't mince his words, does <laughs> he? Let's be honest about that. But, um, you know, Carl, going into the game, there was almost an air celebration because Toby Adevereld put pen to paper on a new deal. So, with that being the case, does that slightly suggest he didn't want to play under our former manager?
0: Yeah, I mean, you you kind of can't look at it much more than that, can you? Because no. you can't you can't imagine that Daniel Levy's suddenly throwing another hundred grand a week at him all of a sudden just because Mourinho's turned up. So you do get the impression, obviously, that either you know Potch and him obviously weren't seeing eye to eye, and he obviously felt, well, if you're staying around, I won't stay around. Um, but now you're gone, um, and somebody is you know, a manager here that I obviously want to play for then I'm happy to sign that contract and um, see out a few more years. I mean you know, the good news for us is he was one of the contract rebels that, you know, I was actually keen to stay because I still think, you know, you've go got to look at his range of passing and, you know, everything like that, that he does for the team and the effort he puts in. I mean, he's the one player you can never criticize for the effort levels he was putting in, even though he hasn't signed the contract. Um, so for me, I think it's a great move. You know, the money you'd have to spend to replace someone of his quality and experience. Um, I think, you know, again, it, it doesn't make sense to sell him when you know you're going to have to replace him. So, it's great news for us. Um, We'll get a couple more years and hopefully, you know, he can bring along Foyf and Sanchez with a bit of experience and help those guys. So, it was great news for the club. But, as you say, just sadly let down by the performance from everyone uh, yesterday. But great news for us going forward because, you know, his experience, he's a great centre-half and obviously, you know, his range of passing is unreal at times.
1: And James, how much of a statement of intent is that for the Belgian putting pen to paper and finally confirming his future with the club?
2: It's massive, mate. You know, it, it's, just think how much it would cost. And it's what we said before about when we talked about his release clause. Just think how much it would cost us to replace uh, a player like Toby de with a player of, of his car- calibre. You know, it would cost us upwards of, of 60 70 million pounds So pounds So getting him on the new contract... Um, it, Hopefully a contract that doesn't include a 25 million pound release call like it did last time. Uh, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, he's going to be a mainstay in the team now that his contract uh, situation is resolved. He'll be a mainstay in the team for for the next three or four years, hopefully. And uh, uh, and you know he's he's given us his best years already, and, and hopefully he's got plenty more to come. Um, uh, and you know you'd like to think that a player like Jan Vertonghen might follow suit. Now you know you know we know about their relationship and how close they are and. You might think it, you know, you might, you'd like to think that, um, that it will have an effect on, on Jan's situation and maybe even Christian Eriksen's situation. So um, gets, once we get those contracts uh, resolved, maybe the players can, can start thinking about uh, on the pitch rather than off it and uh, we might see a bit of a, a turnaround in form.
1: Well, this is going to be my next question to Patrick. So Patrick, with one player staying around, the question is, can Jose Mourinho use his charm to convince Vertonghen and Eriksen to stay or are they more of a lost cause for you?
3: I would love to see Eric uh sorry, I'd love to see Jan Vertonghen stay. Me personally, I don't want Ericsson here anymore. I think that he's been su so, so unprofessional over the last eighteen months uh with his comments and also I mean the comments is one thing but his actual application in the games for me has been atrocious. Uh certain times he just looks like he's just out there just for the sake of it, just gliding around, floating around, half hearted deliveries and crosses in, not trying pulling out of tackles. I mean, the list goes on and I'm sure you guys have seen it as well. And I would rather uh, we let the guy go because his heart's not in it anymore and we get somebody in who does want to be there and will actually turn up.
1: Carl, it seems with the togging, the sticking point seems to be, if you read the reports and believe them, that he wants a two-year deal, the club are offering one. So do you give him the longest stint if you're in charge of the contract or do we have to unfortunately accept that father time will eventually get the better of him?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a hard one with Vertonghen, isn't it? Because I think, you know, I think yesterday kind of exposed him as well. And obviously the Wolves game, you know, he dealt with Traore reasonably well, um, given the pace. And yesterday, kind of William kind of gave him the run around a little bit, didn't he? And there are times where we do have to accept that, you know, father time is going to catch up with you no matter how good you are. Um, but I still think the Tongan could probably do a job in in the centre, you know, with with Toby. So I wouldn't give up on Yan, you know, and for the sake of another year, again, when you look at how much you're probably going to spend to replace the guy, for me, I'd rather see someone like him given another year. And to be honest, we can cut the fat elsewhere in the squad to kind of make up for that money, if that's the issue. Um, So for me, I, I agree, you know, with Patrick, you know, the one, I'd happily see Ericsson go, um, you know, a packet of Smarties and Harry Bowes. But yeah, Matongan, you know, if it's the case that the guy wants a two-year deal, that, that's just give him the two years. Um, because also, it's you know, again, you've got experience there that can be passed on to some of the younger players, um, even if you don't use the guy or use him sparingly in the sort of games where you know you can get away with it. So that that's just giving the two year deal if that's what it's worth. Um because that relationship with um our as well, you know, it's is a special priceless. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you know, you may as well just go for that one more year, you know. He's a player that you can get something out of. Um, whereas you say, with Ericsson, it's clear that guy's gone. You know, mentally yeah. he's checked out. So Definitely. you are be better off just getting rid of him and, and giving someone else a chance. Um, but, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd give Yan the two years if that's what he wants.
1: Yeah, because yeah. we're, we're always at the sort of stage where the squad needs a few elder statesmen. You know, we've been a young, hungry squad for a few years now. And it's like, well, you know, some of them are getting older. So let's take, remember when Les had Esteban Cambiaso and they had that sort of great escape season? Like, you need some sort of older heads just to help you get over the line. I know their objective was different because that was sort of just staying in the Premier League. But, you know, why not sort of keep, like you say, Cole, these sort of older sage. Wise yeah, players.
0: You'd like to think, wouldn't you, that in, on the training ground, they can, offer, they can offer things to say, you know, the likes of Tanganda coming through and Foyth and Sanchez, you know, they don't necessarily have to be playing week in, week out. But they're there on the training pitch, you know, possibly just saying, well, they're, you know, watching videos. Well, there, if I was you, if you, you just dropped off another yard or so, that might have helped you. And, and that's invaluable, isn't it? You know, you can't buy that kind of help for those younger players sometimes. So, it, you know, what, what is an extra year for the club, to be honest? Let's be honest. What is it to them? Wow. Just, just give the guy it and get the benefit that that player will give you in experience.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that front. James, with Ericsson, there's talk that he might even go to a Premier League club in the next few weeks can you see that happening or is he just going to sort of sulk for the next few months and saunter off on a free in the summer
2: i certainly can't see him going to another premier league club i don't think um daniel levy is that stupid i think we've seen it in the past you know he took a financial hit to sell moderich to to real madrid rather than chelsea um even when it comes down to pochettino we know that there's there's, there's a clause in his contract meaning that he, he can't go to another Premier League club for for a year or, uh, you know, Levy's savvy when it comes to, to stuff like that because he knows that Ericsson, he is a player that, that would be useful. If he did go somewhere else now, he might rediscover his form and, and that would be harmful to us. Um, so, you know, whether Ericsson leaves or not, I, I don't think he'll be going to to another English club. I don't, I don't think, uh, even though Levy said in, in, his, uh, in his interview um, last week, he said he, he's... We're now not scared to to trade with our rivals. I think that was more him just trying not to lay all his cards on the table, you know, or, you know, a little bit of mind games. Because otherwise, you know, if it was between Man United and, and say, Real Madrid, then Real Madrid would offer less money because they know that we we wouldn't want to sell him to United. So, you know, it's Levy playing the game, which is something that he is good at, you know, these managers in the transfer market is something he isn't good at, but, but we do know that he he, you know, he he won't want to strengthen other Premier League sides, especially Premier League sides around us. So I don't think he'd be going to the likes of Man United. Um, I, I think it will be a move abroad for him in the summer. I think we, our, our squad is too thin for, for at the moment for, for us to sell um, players like Ericsson in January. Um, and obviously you know Mourinho's used Ericsson um enough times this season to to make you think that he might be trying to get something out of him whether or not he's just trying to put him in the shop window and uh, to get a, a higher fee for him you don't know but you know I think Mourinho will keep Eriksson around until the end of the season just just because we are we are a little bit short of uh, of covering that position so yeah uh, it won't be united but it, it probably will be uh, a european team in summer
1: and Patrick, I didn't get around to asking this one last week, so I'll save it for now. Do we finally need to admit defeat on the Eric Lamella front and call it a day in the summer? <laughs> yes, yes, he works hard, but the amount, uh, of, the amount of injuries the has picked up is almost absurd now. You're just getting silly. So, yeah, do you cut I your mean, losses?
3: I, yeah, I think it's time to cut our losses. And, you know, embarrassingly... Well, it's not embarrassing, but this summer I was like, yeah, Lamella's going to be a player this year. You know, it's his time now. And I've said this for the last three or four years, and every year... He just, you know, has a few good games and then he just suddenly goes missing and he's gone for a month and then it's two months and it's three months and it's four months. And uh, I think it's time to cut our losses because he's taken up a valuable squad or roster spot. The guy is a talent, but he just can't stay fit. So, yeah, I think we need to just, uh, uh, like you said, omit uh, defeat, accept defeat, call it a day, uh, you know, give him a good send-off and get someone in that can actually play Twenty to thirty to thirty-eight games a season because Lamella can give you ten or twelve games, and that's not enough for a team of our of our stature, especially when, when like we're saying, our squad is quite thin.
1: Carl, I think I know the answer if I was to ask you that same question.
0: God, dear me, <laughs> I'd, I'd,
1: have given up, I'd have given
0: up a couple of years ago, mate. I don't know how he's criminal that he's getting away with it, isn't he. I'd say I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind seeing his bank balance for what he's he done.
1: <laughs> Oh, no, yes. I think the, the phrase stealing a living uh, springs to mind. But, um, <laughs> Very yeah, much. I mean, when was he signed? 2012, 2013? It's 2012, yeah. 2012. Yeah, 2012. So. so you're looking at seven years. It's a hell of a stint and not a lot of real games to go with, it, is it? But, oh, no, I don't no. Know. Yeah, I think, you know, when you've been there that long and we, I think as fans, we've all fallen into that trap, like Patrick just said, like every sort of season you think, yeah, do you know what? This is the one. This is where he comes good. And no one sort of offers him any ill will like you want him to be a good player but it's just so frustrating to just think there's only so many repeated chances and especially now with a, a new man at the helm he's probably going to weigh up the balance of probabilities and think do you know what I think it's probably it's time to sort of start the revolution and the I, I think up. the
0: thing is there as well isn't it Dan he'd probably be a Mourinho type player well, This is it. Are, he Irony stay fit but the thing is we know the guy is not going to do it so mm. even Mourinho will have to say listen I'd love you as, as Patrick said if you could play 38 games a season I'd love you but 10 I ain't enough mate
1: Right then It's prediction time So It's uh, the Brighton game Coming up on Boxing Day A quick turnaround The scoreboards Are unchanged From last time Because no one Predicted a Chelsea win They were not that crazy um, <laughs> Patrick You'll be representing The guests this week So okay. um, It's Carl on 6 points The guests on 4 Along with me And James If you get the score Bang on It's 3 points If you get the right outcome It's a point So what do you think Is going to happen Against Brighton On Boxing Day
3: 3-1 Spurs. Oh,
1: he's gone big. Confident. I like that. Yeah. Um, Cole, what about yourself, mate? Uh, I'm going
0: to go for 3-0. I'll see us bounce back in this one, um, as we normally do, and I think we'll keep a clean sheet. It's so a 3-0 for me.
1: OK, mate. Uh, James, is revenge on the menu for you?
2: Uh, I, I like the, the enthusiasm of the lads, but I think uh, Son being out of the team is going to be a massive hit for us. Um, I'm going to go for uh, 1-0 Tottenham.
1: Okay, Ooh. and I'll, um, I'll go 2-1, so I think wins all round, let's hope one of us is right, that's all I can say. So, we're coming up to pretty much full time, first up I need to thank my guest, a sterling debut from Patrick. Patrick, Patrick I hope you enjoyed it and also, would you like to come back in the new year?
3: Uh, yeah, I'd love to, thank you for having me, it's been a pleasure, so yeah, good gr- uh, bunch of lads and yeah, it's been fun talking talking football and talking Tottenham, I loved it.
1: No worries mate, we'll definitely have you on in the new year then, I'll speak to you soon. Uh, Carl and James, you get a Christmas break now. Fantastic. Uh, Carl, what are you going to do with your time off? Watch football, I imagine.
0: Well, our, our therapy tonight's always good, so I might allow Christmas to take place again. So, yeah, <laughs> just be with the family at home, you it's, know. It's and We'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> yeah. Christmas and we'll is... put
0: ourselves through the misery again on Boxing Day, won't we?
1: Yes, I'm sure we will. And James, thanks for joining us, as always. Um, I hope the hangover has finally dissipated after yesterday. So, um, enjoy your Christmas and all that.
2: Yeah, thanks very much mate um, can't wait for the new year and hopefully plenty more podcasts
1: yes absolutely and mentioning podcasts just want to say thank you to anyone who's listened in our sort of first 10 episodes of our comeback our new sort of guys it's really um, humbling almost there's so many podcasts out there in this day and age that for anyone to give us our time you know 45 minutes an hour every week we really really do appreciate it um, there's going to be more to come in the turn of the year, so don't uh, leave us. Hopefully, we'll get further up the league table and sort of get back to where we were. I'm sure we will, but it's all about sort of getting that ring rust off, which I think you know just about in the groove now. So, if you've got any questions or comments, always get them into me at Dan Tracy 983 or at coy underscore com. Any questions? Anything? You know, engagement topics, dis- debate, discussions. That's what we want. You know, keep things rolling. And if you're on Apple, give us a review and get us further up the league table so we're knocking on the door of the Champions League places. So with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs.
0: For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews
2: and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the Free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.